You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into today's episode of the Nick Cloud Podcast, and it is brought to you, as always, by my good friends at Pella Windows and Doors. When it's time to get some new windows or a new door, you got to go with Pella. Why? Because the people are fantastic. Vince, Steve, Clint, Brian, the whole gang there, everybody's great. And you know what's also great? Is the fact that you're going to be working with Pella the entire time. Do you realize that when you work with some other window and door companies, all of a sudden questions pop up like, well, who's going to install it? Well, you know, you got to call. You got to. You're gonna have to call them for that. Well, who's going to pre-finish it? Well, not nah, that. That's someone totally different. We don't. Eh, got to. Got to call that person. Are you kidding me? Before you know it, you're working with like four or five different people. That's a disaster. That's a headache. You want the convenience and simplicity of working with one company, not three or four. That is Pella. Check them out on the web. PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. All right, on the pod today, Bo Robert Rude and uh, yours truly. We sat down, we watched uh, The Last Danced, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls documentary, parts three and four. Certainly a lot to discuss on Dennis Rodman, uh, the ascension of, of Phil Jackson becoming the head coach, uh, Jordan and the Bulls finally beating the Bad Boys Pistons, the Jordan rules, and then obviously we get to where Jordan uh Wins his first title uh, in 91 over the Lakers. Plus, I mean, just tons of crazy Dennis Rodman stuff in this one. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here is uh, yours truly, Nicholas Allen Ball and Bo Robert Rude recapping, discussing the last dance, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls documentary. Enjoy. All right. Well, here we are. It is Sunday night and uh, we just finished parts three and four of the last dance. Nick Bob Bo Rude. Bo is doing some sort of... Is that Phil Jackson, like, Native American stretching that's going on? Is that what this is, Bo Robert? Yes. So, you know, you and I were just chatting a little bit, getting a little bit of our triangle offense game plan for this podcast here. This pod, or this... uh, So, parts three and four, I thought this was way more... Like, there was more retrospect than there was current times. And by current times, I mean 1997. 98 uh really the 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 current stuff centered around dennis rodman yeah (laughs) so i want to start the conversation there because really almost all of part three was about dennis rodman yep and i guess first of all i still just can't get over the (laughs) the vegas getaway for this guy can you believe how many? I still don't think we ever got a final count of days he was gone. They stopped the, the ticker at 84 hours, so and it was still going. So, I'm going to that. Uh, that's uh, five days or, yeah, yeah, four or five days. So, but that was amazing. A guy in the middle of his professional basketball season on the championship team, they'd said, already won two championships in a row. I need a vacation. I need to go to Vegas. And, and the head coach and the best player looked at each other and said, 
okay, give him 48 hours. <laughs> I mean, have you ever heard of such a thing? It's amazing. It is, it is amazing that that happened. That they, that, but here, but it speaks to that, because there's a lot in, in with Phil in this, in this pod we're going to talk about, but like Phil under, Phil had a keen understanding of like Dennis Rodman, what he needed, what made him tick. And like, you could tell, I think it was Phil that was, that was more like it. Listen, if he needs to go to Vegas and just like blow off some steam and, and whatever, like. I he, like I trust that this is what's best for him. Yeah, he. I mean, Phil, you got to give Phil credit for for understanding that like, Dennis is a unicorn, and he's not doing this out of anything other than like his psyche is works this way where he's got to have this, or, or it's gonna be it's gonna get taken out in a really bad way on the team. Right. And I think Dennis Dennis's way of saying, I need like I need. A chance to not mess up here. Well, because well, I think what you, what what one of the things that was interesting is because you get a little bit of Dennis's background and playing at a small college, and then and then you pointed out some of the things he was a twenty five year old rookie because he was homeless for two years. So yeah. I mean, he has a bizarre path. Yeah, and, and Dennis they had a the thirty for thirty on yeah. Rodman that goes into that, and he I mean you 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 can't help but actually love the guy and root for the guy because he, he just he, he's a guy that seems to have, a, to have a really good heart and he wants like everyone to like him but like he, nothing came easy for Rodman it was just like it was a freak chance that he even made it there and so he has this like 25 year old rookie he loved playing for the Pistons and Chuck Daly who like was like a father to yeah. him and like so it's a bizarre story how he even like got to that point and then he became like this whole other universe of a star after he started dating Madonna and doing the right. hair stuff. So like, it's just like, it's a, he's such a bizarre guy to be on that team, but somehow it all fit. That's the thing. I think with, with Dennis, like, I think one of the things that this showed, and we talk about this all the time with college recruiting and, and signing different guys, like when you have a culture and an infrastructure that has certain ingredients and and is strong you can take on a few guys that are maybe a little shaky and they'll kind of they'll assimilate yeah and i think it speaks to really scotty mj and phil that those that those two players and that coach had such a keen understanding of of just kind of the the team dynamics, all that stuff that they could take this dude in and he would just work because sometimes, sometimes, you know, when you think about recruiting, like, or, or signing free agents, like if a guy is a character, like, Oh, I don't know. Like you don't want anything to you just like, I don't want to touch that guy. They, they were like all about it. And it just goes to show you how good the culture was to be able to like keep him on the line and on the path. For sure. Well, I think the first thing is that Phil Phil's a different guy. Yes, in, the, in in his own right, like he is an oddball, a free spirit. So he's actually a guy that I think understands what it means to be a free spirit. I wrote that down. I think one of the things you found out, and I never thought of this, was how similar Phil and Dennis are. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that made it. But what's weird though is how he loved Chuck Daly. And Chuck Daly doesn't seem like he's anything like Phil. No. But, you know, certain people, like, 
come into your life at the right time. Like Phil was heaven sent for Dennis. Yeah. And I think, I think that's one of the main things that why it worked so well was Phil's understanding of Dennis. Yeah. I think Chuck Daly was like a father figure to Dennis where Phil was like this free spirited friend for that understood that understood Dennis. And then like MJ and Scotty were so confident in themselves that they they weren't threatened by Dennis necessarily. They understood that Dennis was there to help in this project, and I think everybody understood that. Like well, Dennis understood that. Like they were never threatened by Dennis. It was more like they understood kind of what what the whole Rodman situation. Yeah, was. I, th- I think the thing that that Scotty and I think clearly Scotty and Michael, and you could tell the way Michael talked about Dennis. That there was respect there, and like yeah. I think, I think again, what you're learning is all Michael gives a shit about is winning, and as long as he can count on you when it's time to win, he's good with you. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't like yeah, he might not love to you know how you go about your business all the time, but the yeah. one thing you could tell is he like he he knew when this, when shit got real. Dennis was gonna was gonna be there. For well, I mean, the fact that that he he was guarding the, those two for years with the Pistons, the Pistons like there's respect there. Like right. they've you know I think that's where Dennis had earned that respect from him. And even though he was kind of going off the handle for a couple of years there, they understood like what he would mean to that team. And it was just like I think that understanding is the only way that situation like. Nobody in the history of that I've ever been around is gets to go away for a week no, during the season it's a, just I've because never heard of it. I, just I, because just like he's not hurt, he's not nothing. I, I got to go have to go party. I got to go party. You, do you understand? I need to go drink and go to Vegas and party. Okay, if that was on the table for the rest of us, <laughs> would you go? To, yeah, <laughs> there would be no season. There would be none. But I, I still love the fact that they had to go. Get him out. They had to go to his hotel and pull him out with Carmen Electra. Okay, Carmen Electra was there, but Michael hinted that there was. He's other... not going to say what else was there. <laughs> what else? I mean, what else was uh, in? The, I mean, I'm drugs. My, no, I don't think drugs. You think? I just think there was probably. They weren't alone. Is all I'll say. <laughs> they ordered room service. <laughs> they had room service. I just did. Mike have to go to Vegas, or had they gotten? That's what I never totally understood was where exactly they probably made it back to Chicago. Because I I find it hard to believe that like Michael got on a plane to fly to Vegas to pull him out. But like, so I don't know exactly where they were, but they had to go physically get Dennis. That's so. It's unbelievable. But how how long did did Dennis date Madonna? I don't know. I don't. I don't. Because Madonna, I had forgotten about that. Madonna was the biggest. Biggest star, star in the, the world yeah, at that right. time. And you could tell, I think Madonna, I mean, it's just like you're seeing a, a guy like grow and evolve. Like he, I think Madonna, dating Madonna allowed him to like embrace his wild and, it, you know, eccentric, crazy side. Yeah. And then when he left Detroit, like he was kind of this outcast where he was then went to San Antonio and didn't fit in there and was a disaster there. But then in, in Chicago, it worked because of all the reasons we just laid out. But the thing that's the thing that's so interesting about Dennis is like 
if the way we just describe, if you describe Dennis like what we just all did, you wouldn't think that the way he played the game was like, like hard hat, hard worker, like unbelievable yeah. motor. You know what I mean? Like you would think he was like a, a three point gunner. Like all he gave a shit about was like the flashy stuff. All he, he cared about. And this is why I've always loved Dennis is like, I'm not sure there's ever been a player that has embraced everything but scoring more than him. No. And In the I, history of the, like seriously. Yeah. And I'm during, during that, during the showing tonight, you know, Rodman made a couple of those plays where he took a charge or he dove out of bounds and it saved the ball and somebody hit a three. Like one of the, you know, those yeah. plays and he gets up and he's pumped. And I go, uh, you forget like the guys that make those kind of plays and Rodman made those every game. Like those plays that nobody else in the league is going to make except for that that insane guy that only wants to make that play. Yes. And it would ever, I mean, those plays win you games. Yes. And Rodman winning was basketball. Guy that all he wanted to do when he was on was that. Does it? Rebound, take charges, defend, dive on the floor. Like, at the highest level, you can do it. Yes. I mean, and it was cool to listen to him talk about, like, how he wanted, he would, like, invite people over, like, let me see you just shoot for a little bit. Like, and he'd be like, Bird shot, had a lot of rotation, so I knew it would go here. And, like, if it, if it, like I think this guy was, like, had a sixth sense for no question rebounding and instincts for that stuff because he's not seven feet tall he's six eight maybe and six seven six eight very athletic but that on its own doesn't mean you should get as many rebounds. 10 rebounds a game yes you should not like the skill set took him from you know eight to ten to 15 and i'm the rebounding champion of of the league right well, heard, like, that's the difference you heard david aldridge i think say like i've never seen an on-ball defender as good as dennis rodman and you think about like that dude could guard Carl Malone, he could guard Magic Johnson, he could guard Jordan, he could guard like he, he could guard, guard your center or he could guard, he could guard Jordan. Shaq, he could guard like I, I I think lost in all the crazy hair and all the crazy stuff, like that guy was a not a good player, a great, great basketball player. Yeah, he, he's almost his own category. He really, like, you know, we talk about, like, oh, there'll never be one of those again. There'll never be one of those again. Like, I don't think there'll ever be another Dennis Rodman again. Because I just don't know, and I don't want to be like, with kids these days, and they don't embrace, like, I just don't know if there'd be anybody that would be really willing to, that would be willing to embrace all the shit that, you know, that he embraced. Yeah. Of diving on the floor, taking a charge, getting rebounds, instigating the other team, you know, the other team's post player or whatever, and then also have the skill to do all those things at an exceptionally high level. I've always, I was always kind of, I can't remember who told me this or who, like when I was growing up playing basketball at different camps, and uh, and I would always think about someone told me this. I can't remember who, like, the mark of a great player is someone that can dominate a game without scoring. Yeah, like. Okay, so you can impact the game scoring. Well, it, like that, I, like a lot of people can do that. How good are you? How good are you? Yeah, if you're not scoring, and that's like I'm not sure there's a guy that's more exemplifies that than yeah. Dennis Rodman. No, but nobody's done it that way. Like nobody has, has he ever got to the point where like 
Like Birdman with the Heat tried to do it. But he's just not. But it's not just even, like, it's just not not even, even the ball. In, yeah, like yeah. nobody's been close. Like usually like you, people want to score points. And that is a part of it that they right. want, or they're just not talented enough. Yes, that they can't do. Like Rodman was talented enough to score. Like in college, he scored twenty seven. Yeah, twenty seven like, a game. Yeah, you know he could probably have scored, but he just had no. In, like he said, "This is what I want to do. I've got all the skills in the world. I'm going to focus them there." And that's the thing that I think is so special is like freakazoid. A freakazoid athlete, what people don't understand. It's like yes. a guy that basically came from nowhere, was ho- a homeless guy at one point in his life that became like, that that grew and all of a sudden he's this like great player, right? But he was old. Like that's the part that is amazing is by the time he's with the Bulls, he was 36 years old in that right. season. He's past his prime, way past his prime. And he's partying and drinking and not right. sleeping. And he's still amazing. Like imagine when that, that guy could have played till he was Early forties, probably, right. if he took care of himself, it's nuts. He was a freak. He, it, it's, it's, it was crazy. But so that was a huge part of this episode. Mm-hmm. The other, the other parts of this episode that I found interesting were because I've always wondered. Th- this maybe is embarrassing, being like a huge Bulls fan and a Jordan fan. I'm not sure. I totally knew that Phil was an assistant that got promoted. They don't talk about that. That's why this is great. I'm I, not sure that I knew that. I did. I never knew the whole Tex Tex winner story either. Yeah. That like Tex is this mastermind that that basically was only there for like his he analytical offense, skills, yeah. and then that Phil was sort of brought in and learned from him as an assistant. Because, well, because I think clearly, I, I think one of the things you saw was the the ascension of Phil and the evolution of of Jordan, of Michael yeah. Jordan. Because you you saw the, the thing, Doug Collins just got the ball to Michael. Just every play was for Michael. Everything was about Michael. I saw Michael, get him the rock, let him do his thing. Yeah. And... The, then you have Tex Winner on the bench who wants to run this triangle offense that is all about ball movement and spacing and sharing the ball. Doug, the, there's so much beef, he gets punished and can't even be on the bench. He has to sit at the yeah. scores table. All the while, there's this meeting of the minds happening around Doug Collins with Phil and, and Tex that, that explodes into being what really was the brains behind the six championships. That that's one that I'm I'm still scratching my head on because I, I don't think they're telling us everything. And here's why. I think from from that, it to me it looked like Doug Collins and Michael Jordan were like one person. Like they kissed. They would kiss on the cheek. Yeah, but it was also like Doug thought like Michael did, like get Michael the ball, get out of the way. Like right. score Michael. And like his whole thought was Michael, like almost like he understood Michael. So I'm surprised that Michael allowed that to happen. Right. And I guess where I'm scratching my head is that Doug Collins, you could see, didn't want to talk about it. He said, I could feel, yeah, I could feel it. And then it was just like, but he didn't talk about it. And that tells me something else happened. And maybe Michael signed off on it because 
Yeah, it's weird because Michael said he didn't didn't like the Phil hire initially. Yeah. But you would think, but maybe enough's changed over the years where you would think that like, uh, you know, we've always said like whoever LeBron wants to be the coach is that guy's going to be the coach, right? Yeah. You would think that the same rules would apply in 1980, 1990, you know, 1989. I don't know if they did. Even humor me this, like... Hmm. Along those lines, why wouldn't like it's pretty amazing that that Scotty, Phil, and and MJ didn't kind of just band together and basically go to Jerry Reinsdorf and say like, "Listen, get Kraus out of here." You know, like in I'm talking about in '98. Yeah. yeah, so I, I don't think know. like I I know there is something there. I guess that makes sense. So I mean, the same thing's happening, you know, years later. So I, I, I just, but I I don't know. I the the way Doug Collin, I mean. Unless Doug's just bitter at like, hey, I had that team ready to win the title anyway, and like he was mad that like if they would have just let him stay on, he would be the coach that Phil Jackson became. Hey guys, quick break to talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors, and I, I want to make sure that you guys understand that Pella windows of Omaha and Lincoln they are following CDC guidelines. Uh, during this coronavirus situation. They can safely serve any of your window and door needs in the showroom or in your home. All the employees at Pella and the customers are completing a COVID-19 questionnaire as provided by the CDC prior to entering the showroom, entering the office, and uh, any uh, potential customer's home and all the employees are required to self-quarantine for a recommended 14 days if uh, that individual comes into contact with someone who's tested positive if they traveled anywhere outside of the omaha lincoln area bottom line they are taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that they are safe and you are safe so you can safely move forward with your window and door needs. And uh, on top of all that, as a result of all this stuff with the coronavirus, uh, Pella is offering temporary special financing options. They are now available. So man, now is the time to take advantage of these special rates and uh, put that value back into your home, and you have that peace of mind knowing that all the necessary safety uh, protocol and precautions have been uh, put into place by Pella, so you know the whole time you can feel safe. Give Pella a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Watching watching this, and everything's easy to say after the fact, I do think there is this, this sense that I get that like the the six championships and Jordan really becoming Jordan wouldn't have happened if Phil didn't come. And that's not to take anything away from Jordan. No, but but I like I said, or do you think I, they were on that path and it didn't matter? What I'm saying is is you can't argue with what happened, but Doug Collins's reaction yeah. was very much like he was biting his lip. Well, like, I mean, that's just clearly, sign. if I'm reading Doug Collins, I I see a guy that's that wants to say something and is he's held back for yeah twenty you can some tell, years yeah, right and he's going to hold back farther. But I was struck. I'm with you. I was struck at the relationship that Doug Collins and Michael Jordan clearly had. Yeah, and you know it takes a lot of balls, man. Like the Bulls were winning, they were making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, 
and Jordan was the biggest star in the league, and Jordan was winning scoring titles, winning an MVP, winning the Defensive Player of the Year. Like, it's pretty amazing that Jerry Krause, they made a change. And and what it made me think about, now they hadn't necessarily got there, was the, the change from Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's something, too, because you know, I don't know if the Warriors would have become the Warriors if Steve Kerr didn't show up. That's a good. That's a great. Actually, that's a great point. Now I'm thinking about it because that's very similar. Because Mark Jackson was well <laughs> liked by Steph and Clay. And liked him. He brought him in. He wanted him. They he were winning. Him, yeah. He saw. He he saw in them what they were in like. They were the original, the yeah. Splash Brothers, and all that stuff. Like, but but Kerr came in and they go to another level. Yeah. Now would they have always got to that level regardless? I don't know. And would jo- would Jordan have won 91, 92, 93? And then I, I don't know. Yeah. But. The way it's the way it's packaged in this in in this documentary, I there there clearly was an evolution to Jordan's game, yeah, and trusting his teammates, uh, investing more investing more into his teammates. It well, it lightened like, the load too. Like th- that's how like you can't argue with like the amount of load on somebody who has to score. 40 a game almost. I mean, it, w- with everybody on Totally, you, right. Like, that takes it out of you. Takes it totally out of you. So I, I think that I, I, you can't argue that the triangle offense and Phil Jackson's philosophies on, you know, sharing the ball, you know, making your teammates better didn't help them not only win a title, but maybe win multiple, multiple titles, right? Because... Because that's the that's the difference. Like sustaining winning, like that's a lot of pressure and a lot of just load for one, even for the greatest player to ever play the game. Totally. And so, I think the the other thing with uh, with this episode, I mean, because it's, I mean, it it would be hard to get like when a player's having as much success as Jordan has, and Phil even brought this up. Like, it's pretty amazing. It's a it's a testament to Jordan that. You know, this guy was on the top of the world individually, but he was willing to try to change. Like, I, I think it was a window into like, Michael's a pretty coachable guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the, uh, the, uh, I thought it was interesting. So they're, you know, they're losing, they're losing to Detroit. They're losing to Detroit. And I, wasn't it, it was interesting how much I remember reading or, or hearing about this, how much the weight room, like clearly played a role in the off season from 1990 into the 91 season. Like where Jordan put on 15, 15 pounds of muscle. And I think that whole group banded together and they talked about that, how they were lifting together and working their ass off in the off season and to get over that Detroit hump. And it was, uh, it's cool to see. And I wrote this down and I wanted it before we get into the Detroit stuff, like, cause we're about to like, it watching that, watching them lose to Detroit twice, and then watch their off season and lifting weights and coming together, and then watching them beat Detroit, it it makes you kind of like hope that we still get that in the NBA of one group, one team coming together, growing, having to having to overcome, and then succeeding. Because like we were talking before, I, if 
nowadays they would have probably blown it up in 1990 or guys would have been like you know you know what i mean like yeah i mean nick it was the heat did it for four years and they went through that progression a little bit well i guess it's more lebron did but that was with two teams though so i take that back i don't think anybody has done that in the last like had to, to overcome right like had to go from we can't beat this team we can't get over the hump I mean, I'm trying to think who was the last team to do that. Yeah, beat on the door, beat on the door, beat on the door. I, I don't. I, it's it hasn't happened to in obviously to, in a 15, 20 years. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, and so I think there's there's a part of there's so much movement in professional basketball now in college too. It used and to in be co- same like, with college. I that, that I do think that that's one one of my, you know, if you were to be like, and I know we're getting off the reservation here a little bit, but like one of my biggest concerns for basketball in general is while I'm all for player empowerment and and mobility and taking control of your life and career, like ev- like when it changes every year, that takes a toll on Teams suffer, right? Yeah. Like the team suffers, the player succeeds. So you can win as a player. It's hard to win as a like these teams. Like these teams don't get a chance to stay together and win as a team. It's like the best players are merging up, trying to get their wins, get their titles, yeah. and then they're just they're kind of conceding like, oh, that's it. So I I mean because you know you, t- you the I mean the moment of beating the moment of beating Detroit in the Eastern Conference Finals and actually getting over the hump, like, that was a huge event. Not just for Jordan and the Bulls, but, like, it was a huge event for everybody that was, like, watching it. Yeah. Because they had watched this same group run into this same group from Detroit and lose. Mm-hmm. And you just don't get that a lot. You, it, no. Like you don't get that a lot anymore. But, but like, the the Detroit had to do that with Boston. Yes. So it right. was it was the same progression, the same way you know, like you know, in Boston, Boston, and and uh, and the Lakers. They, I mean, that was that was their their battle yeah. between each other, right? So, I mean, that was. It, it's good to have those sort of those markers that you have to cross, and everybody gets to kind of know, like they know this is the marker, right? Right. Um, and for the you know the Bulls Bulls Knicks in the in the nineties and then became pay, like those were the the markers right like you had to have your markers to go through, um, but yeah we just we don't see that anymore. What'd you think of the Jordan rules? Because I've been, known about the Jordan yes. rules, and I mean it, it's always basically just don't let him get in the lane and don't let him get in the air. Get in the air too. Like I think that's a big thing. Was that that was I think John Sally said it like when he gets in the air it's over. Like he can elevate, he can contort, he can do whatever. Like if he gets up, it's over. Yeah. And when he gets in the lane and he goes to take off, I mean, it was understood. But it was like you got to put him on. Like you got to put you, him on the. You ass. put him on the ground, and that see that the thing is that stuff adds up, right? All those little hits, bumps, nicks, takedowns. Every time he has to get from the ground back up, and it's something kind of aches, hurt my finger. You know, like that times a hundred over a series. That's what slows Michael Jordan down. And I don't like it also deters you from wanting to even go in there. You know, it's it's like the old thing over, you know, like in football, 
you know, you 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 can't do anymore, but you light up a receiver going over the middle one time, he's gonna be tiptoeing through tulips looking around the next time. Yeah. He's not gonna be too eager to go through same thing in basketball. Like guy comes on the lane, you know, you Jordan comes on the lane, you sent you put him on his ass a bunch of times. There's gonna be a point where he's just like, I'm settling for a jumper, or I'm swinging it, or I'm I, I'm not gonna I'm 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 not gonna go in there with the reckless you know abandon that it should and and so I think that's a real thing like I've always kind of felt like some of the uh, some of the physicality people talk about in the 80s and the 90s and all that stuff I think some of that stuff's been embellished over the years the difference is the you could basically fight and it was like hey break it up you all could, right yeah you could undercut you could or you could come down on somebody. Or you can fight. Those three things you could are do. Are different. And I will concede that those are different. Those were different then than they are now. And there's danger involved with them, which I, I get like that's the part that is different. But I don't think it was necessarily that much more physical on a play-to-play. And it definitely wasn't faster. It no. Was slower. And it, it was maybe, like I said, it was maybe just like more violent, but not as necessarily physical. I just think the different, like the, the it was different where... Pl- Plays at the rim were, I mean, you could annihilate somebody at the yeah. rim. And it was just a foul, go to the line. Or guys could get in a fist fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> you like, might get like a, a half. You, like, or or you might, or sometimes you're just like, all right, break it up. It's Detroit ball underneath. I don't want to see that again. <laughs> Not one more time out of you. You know what I mean? And so that, that's where it's different. But they're clearly that was or like, if you, or if you're in Puerto Rico, you can uh, shoot a ref. Yeah, you, you avoid the home games if you shoot the ref. <laughs> How about that story? Can you believe that story? Oh gosh! But so finally, they get over the hump and they and they beat the bad boys Pistons. What do we think about? Because one of the coolest moments of the to me, one of the coolest moments of parts three and four here that we are recapping tonight was. Jordan getting handed Isaiah's explanation behind not shaking hands because because for a moment <laughs> for for a moment you get to really see like Jordan's on camera but he's not on camera yeah. at that point so you got to he's, really see he never lets that stuff out you know what I mean where he's really he's like I don't want it's gonna be bullshit he's gonna have to say there's a lot of you know what I mean like all of a sudden you got to see. I wonder if they like they did all those interviews in one day and he had been drinking because he's just letting it all like I mean he's letting it all fly and I love it. I mean it is you can tell that's closer to real Michael Jordan yes. than what he normally gives. Okay, so what do you think about the whole the way that all ended with them not shaking hands? I mean we've all seen it a hundred a times, million times. right yeah the best thing though was Jordan's reaction of like I I don't care I know he's full of it like he knows that Isaiah in his mind is like a punk to him. Like yeah. he knew that like there was no, there wasn't the right amount of respect to him from Isaiah and Isaiah. He thinks Isaiah is probably jealous of him, which he was. Yes. And those two guys clearly don't like, they each don't. Other. I mean, I mean, it's well documented. Hey, Isaiah, Isaiah is a warrior too. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah is people always say warrior. like, you know, the bad boys, Pistons. Yeah. Lambeer, Mahorn, all those guys. But like the, the mind behind it yeah. was Isaiah. The head of the snake. The man. head of the snake was Isaiah. <laughs> that guy's a. I mean, Isaiah's a tough little shit. You know what I mean? Like that guy is is and, a and I'll say this, tough dude. They were they were rough on the the Celtics too, and they tried to fight the Celtics, but they respected the the Celtics in a way they they didn't, they didn't respect the Bulls. They 
bullied the Bulls. Like they right. were like big brother bullies to them. The guy down the street that wasn't going to let this, you know, the young punk kid. Like that's how they treated Jordan, and Jordan's never going to forgive him for that. Here's the thing that is amazing about Jordan is just how superhuman he is in all the times that the camera's really rolling. And so they so Detroit doesn't shake his his hands and he's able to immediately and we have video proof of both times before where he lost to Detroit. Jordan is out there and not in a phony way cuz you know there's no phony in Jordan like shaking everybody's hands, congratulating all of the Detroit. And what I couldn't believe, and this would never happen, Detroit beats Chicago in 89 or 90. And in game seven, it was the migraine game for Scotty. And they get an on-camera interview with Jordan right after the game. Not winning coach, winning. They go, they go to Jordan. And... Jordan was so unbelievably and appeared to be sincere, gr- like th- totally a good sport. We, you know, they're 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 the better team. They were the better team tonight. You, you know, the, like was I, I think that's. I'm I'm a little surprised how good of a sport Jordan actually is, and and I guess I didn't realize that matters to him. It clearly does. Like that's not he's not saying like I think it really he, matters he was to a, him. He was a. You would think he'd be a terrible loser because he should right. be, but yet, like when when it's actually these big, like he sucks it up and is a good sport, which tells you something about Michael Jordan. It matters to him, and that was new to me. I didn't know that that was right. As he important. hates to lose, but he would never. He may walk out of practice, but he's going to shake your hand if you beat him in a game. Yes. And and that's how, I mean I think he had so much respect or he he had so much confidence in himself that if like you beat me well goddamn it put it here yeah you know like yeah and so I, I thought that whole the the thing that makes Detroit look really bad to, tonight and watching that is how clearly Jordan and all the bolt like they were very good sports the first two time the yeah. the two years they beat them and listen I'm far from everybody's got to like hug and kiss after every game but I do think like. You got to respect who you're playing, for sure. But here's here's what I also say, okay? The Detroit Pistons were not the most talented team for a handful of years, and they almost won three titles. But they mm-hmm. won two titles, and basically, their biggest competition was the Bulls to do that. Yes, and the only way they were going to win those titles was doing everything they did. And maybe being a bad sport was a part of it. Like, they were going to be... It's a great point. Total bullies. They were going to make it a fight. They were going to make it a mental game that you couldn't beat them at. Like, they were willing to be the the worst people on earth to win. They'll do... Like, that's the stuff you almost got to... I respect, actually, that those guys... Those they guys, were true to who they... like. They said, this is the way... That, the only way we're going to do it. And... They they laid it all in the line. Like I, I respect the bad boys in that way. They're, they're never my favorite team. No, but there's nothing about them that like I don't respect. Like they did what they had to do to win. You're right. That's a good point because they they were they were true to who they were till the till to the. Very That's the end. only way they're going to beat the Bulls because they because they the, can't beat the Bulls straight up. You they know, can't beat they the Celtics. They probably can't beat the Celtics straight. No, up, they had know? to like, make it a fight. And so, 
Yeah, it's you know that whole thing like the same thing that makes makes someone great is the same thing that that it makes them bad. That's and that's, that's it. probably what that what the so they're probably sitting there going, well, this attitude that everybody's crying about that we didn't shake their hands. That's what got us. That's what he should have championships. Said. See, Jordan would respect. I think Jordan would respect if that. he would have said. This is what we did. This is how we had to beat them. It was going to be no holds barred. There's no shaking hands. And so we're not going to shake their hands. We, we did it again. That's we, a more real statement. We still won't shake their hands. He right. said, oh, if we did it again, we'd shake their hands. And Jordan didn't like that. No. He said, yeah. he'd rather him say, we'll never shake your hands. Right. Then, then come up with some long elaborate excuse once you, of, yeah, like, yeah once you enter into the you know what happened was was mikhail he was coming off and then you know when you get into that shit it's like nah yeah usually the like, i still think it's a bad look i mean i still think like you had a great point there's a there's a little subtle subtle body language move yeah when i when isaiah's walking off the floor and gets in right by the bulls bench and he does a little duck just a just a little duck as a man, like that little duck, is it is it may have been bad, just a bad timing or bad luck that it, the camera's on just at that angle at that moment. But it it looks like it I'm looks ducking. Like, it looks like it, I don't I'm want you ducking. to see me doing this. If if you had to describe that, like what happened there, in two words, you'd say, "I'm ducking." I'm ducking. I'm ducking out on this handshake. That's I'm, what it was. That's and what it looked like. It, even if he didn't, a little quick, just a little quick. You know, like if a dog submits, they 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 really, they, you know, they totally lay down for that, you know, that second. And they mm-hmm. for for a second, Isaiah submitted like a little bitch. Like did he not like like a, this is a little just a little one of those. Hey, you take that ass whoop and like Jordan always said, if you you know you can walk off the court however you want to as long as you get that ass whooped and and that and that is what happened. But that was clearly a huge. Now I because I was confused in some of the the uh, footage immediately after that. I mean, did they celebrated? Do you see how hard Chicago celebrated after they won that game? That to me was the tears. Like when Jordan won that title, and he, you know, he the people said they'd never seen Michael Jordan cry, never seen him show emotion up to that point. It all been negative. It all been anger and frustration. Anger. And he let it out. To me, that was the losing to the Pistons for three years. Yeah. Like, that was getting over that hump and all that work he probably did. That, to me, was like, I grinded, I battled for years, and it finally paid off. All right, hey, Bo. Uh, we're taking a quick break from talking about Michael Jordan here real quick. Pop quiz, you know what, May 10th? What's going on on May 10th? Do you know what would be going on on that day? I got a good idea since we just discussed it. Yo, I should give it away, huh? It's Mother's Day. I had no idea that Mother's Day was. I mean, it's it's right around the corner. I don't know that I ever have been aware of when Mother's Day was. <laughs> I don't know if you're like me, but growing up, it was sort of like you walk in the door, like it's Mother's it's Day. Like, oh, go, okay, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. And we've got Mom. What? And you write your name on the card, and you. Well, and what ends up happening on, on, on Mother's Day is like you end up, you know, you got, if you have a wife with a kid, you have like the mother-in-law, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's crazy how that all ends up being where you got to think about gifts for there, gifts for there, gifts for there. But here's the thing, like you sit there and you go like, what gift are you going to do? 
You really gonna mm. do flowers? You gotta get your mother a good gift. That's I'm the not key. anti-flowers. No, you gotta give them something more than flowers, Nick. It's gotta be something a little bit better than flowers. You know what it is? Hmm. It is various purses. Ooh. Women love a good purse. And <laughs> the the people okay. The owner of, because people need to go to Sapan.com, S-A-P-A-H-N.com. We know the person who runs this. We've known this young woman since we are, we're 12 years old? Yes. Yep. Great woman. She does incredible things. She's a fellow Southeast Knight. She moved to Thailand with her husband, who's also one of our best friends in the world. And they start an artisan-led fashion brand that is changing the fashion game. And I don't know, does your wife have any items? My wife's items? got, she already has a purse. So does my wife. She loves it. Loves it. I'm not, I'm just telling you. We don't, I don't know. I mean, a purse, like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I got my wife for her birthday some necklaces and bracelets, matching silver necklaces and bracelets from Sapon. Uh, oh, so you're ago. a Sapan veteran. I'm already a veteran. Yes, you're a new. You have earned your pension with the with the. You're Sapan. learning about Sapan. I, I have no, been I've here. known about it, and I know my wife loves it. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Every like women love this. So you're saying if for Mother's Day, if let's say there's a couple of viewers out there that have wives and mothers, they're trying to find a gift for. We're, I, we found it for you. We found it for you, okay? I think we're on to something here. Because they told us here, this is good. This is a good copy from Brooke. Three words, buttery, soft, leather. Buttery. That's how Buttery's you get me in. Buttery's a great word. That's how you get me in. Buttery can mean a lot of different things, but we're talking about purses right now. I'm just telling you right now, they have awesome stuff. They have purses, handbags, wallets. You, you got jewelry. Yeah, good silver. Jewelry. I mean, you got all that stuff. And, you know, it's a local business. Like, like, let's support, you know, our people during these difficult times with the coronavirus. I'm just telling you, this person is going to love this. Yes. It's your, unique. Your mom, your, it's your, unique. And, it, like, it's, it, it's something that, in a category for men, this is a hard place to shop normally. Very. But this is your easy button. You just said easy button. And we're going to make it even easier. When you go to Sapan.com, S-A-P-A-H-N.com, enter the code GAMETIME. Enter the code GAMETIME at checkout for $50 off plus free shipping. Bro. She, I think she knew what she was doing. She's been watching the Michael Jordan documentary. That's, what time is it? We have to attribute. What time is it? It's game time. That's what it is. It's game time. Who? I think that's what was going on in the offices upon. So enter the discount code game time at checkout. Again, that is sapan.com, S A P A H N.com. Back to uh, us talking about Jordan. Let's now throw it back to us. You ready? Let's go, guys. Let's go. Take Here it. We go. Take it away. It's got to be hard when you're Michael Jordan. And you know who you are, and you know what's inside of you, and you know your intentions and your priorities. And clearly, there was a narrative around Jordan, super talented individual guy, all great score, but he but can't win. You know, like guy that's you know, like there was that was how he was branded a little bit. And you know, I think that sh that shit ate him up. Mm -hmm. And I mean, in some ways. 
I think you could tell that the 91, the real sweetness of the 91 championship wasn't necessarily beating the Lakers. It was beating Detroit. Yeah. And I do think in that first, in the 91 finals, it's pretty amazing how that final fourth quarter went down. 80 to 80, game five. And I mean, there's, you see the footage of Phil giving it to Michael saying, who's open? Paxson's open. Get him the ball. And Paxson goes off in the fourth quarter and they win. I think that was a, that's a pretty big seminal moment when you now, when we have the ability to, to think about 93 Suns. Paxson hits a, hits a shot against Phoenix. Uh, 97, Utah. Uh, Utah, Kerr hits a shot. Like, the, Michael needed to see it. Maybe. He needed to see it, and he, and you know the whole thing, the whole ability to trust your teammates that they hey they can help you. They're they're not going to let you down. Like that that mattered. Michael, that was maybe Michael's one, you know, weak spot was that trust, that little bit of trust that he needed. I mean, he could carry teams to wins most all the time, but to beat the best of the best in the seven game series. To hoist the title, maybe it was just those, you know, those ten extra plays. You just gotta, hey, trust these, trust in the, right to find that open guy, and it'll work out. Because I don't think he. The one thing that that I feel like you never heard in any of this stuff, everything in the world's been talked about with Jordan. The one, the one term that's never been thrown out with him is selfish. You would think a guy like that would have been branded as selfish, like. He he wasn't. I think he was the trust. It was like we talked about the trust issues with his teammates. It more centered not from a place of selfishness. It was more from a place of I'm so confident and trust myself so much. Yeah. It's not because I want it. Like I want the glory. If if I'm not getting the glory, then none of you guys are getting the glory. I mean, it here's the, here's the hard part. It's like you know when Doug Collins is his coach. Do you know what the right the right decision for Michael was? was for him to shoot it. Like yeah. his coach wanted him to shoot it every time he could shoot it. So it's hard to blame him when he is the most talented, the best, and most of the time you'd say the right move is for him to shoot it. Absolutely. So it's almost if he doesn't shoot it, he's he's being selfish yeah. sometimes. So but there was just I think what he had to learn was just just a handful of plays. Just Get rid of it to get it back and then shoot it. Or yeah, just, you know, that, right. just, a, just a little bit of that changes a lot. Right, because there's it's the whole, it's the line that Larry Brown gave Danny Manning before the 88 national title game of there's a fine line between selfishness and responsibility. And sometimes it is your responsibility to be a little selfish and, and take, a, take some shots. Yeah. But there's a balance within all of that of t- sometimes it is – border on like dude you gotta like Pax is open find him yeah. you know or you gotta get all these other guys involved and get them going and it it just I think I think everything kind of it's amazing how many things came to a head in 91 but that might be the point where that's Phil right that that fourth quarter like if, if there's an argument that, that for Phil it's that maybe that it, all that work and that's where it came to fruition almost yes Absolutely. Anything we're missing with? I mean, we hit on our little game plan here. Let me go to my notes and make sure there's not anything. If they had video of Rodman's 
seven days in Vegas. How much would you pay for? Oh, I mean, we're talking right now. I'd pay a lot of money to see it. <laughs> what did he go do for? I mean, I think he drank. I think he gambled, had think, sex, yeah, and didn't was, sleep. I think it was like, I mean, what was in a the, lot I mean, of us if, like going to Vegas or having yeah. a good time, but I can't imagine like where your mind's at, where you're on the greatest basketball team in history, and you're like, I got to go to Vegas. For how bad? How bad? I'm willing to give this all up for a week in Vegas. I mean, I think you heard Michael say. Like, I think there was a chance Michael say, like, if we let him go, we'll never see him again. <laughs> we'll never see this guy again. If we let this guy go, we will never see this dude again. This six seven guy with pink hair will lose him. <laughs> we won't find him. Like, it's hard to not find that guy, but he might not be found. Oh, I still would love to have... I wish Jordan would have been willing to go into the details of all that was in the hotel room. Oh, my God. What was in that room? It was debauchery. I mean, awful. What's that movie uh, that they always talk? I've never seen it, but it's like from the sixth, they called Caligula, where it was just like everybody was just like, <laughs> just good. <laughs> it's like Caligula. Or it was like the hangover. There's like a tiger in that, like literally. That would be, I think that's what more. There was like a wild animal, 10 girls, all that. I mean, what? I bet it was out of, out of control. Oh, man. I just. I, I will say, and I hope we get more of it. Is there anything better than when they, in the documentary, these producers hand Scotty or Phil or Jordan a video of someone else saying something? It's great, right? Well, they like, all love I it. I mean, because you, you had the Isaiah moment here today, but you also had the Jordan story of and Dennis. Dennis was laughing. Dennis was laughing. Dennis knew, right? When he started telling, Dennis was like, Love Dennis him. is loving it. I show up at practice. Phil says, Dennis wants to talk to you. And I know if Dennis wants to talk to me, this is going to be some shit I don't <laughs> yeah, want to hear. I like, don't want to hear. I love it. He said, Dennis Dennis needs to blow some steam off. I mean, think about going, just really say it. Like, going to, he went into his office and Phil said, Dennis needs to blow some steam off. He wants a vacation. And I love Michael's like, if anybody needs a vacation, I need a vacation. This is the other part I kind of love about it. I, I love that they're still not at the point where like there's there's still a ton of like humanity to their team and yeah. the dynamics and that that can even happen I, I feel like that's changed a little bit everything is so systematic now where i feel like that does, you couldn't you just people wouldn't go for that anymore no, no. matter who well, it is well, i don't know how a coach would, how would in the he, world. i mean it also made you kind of like love thinking back to a time when like that could even happen where like uh, there wasn't camera phones and nobody the, talked nobody no knew one, nobody no, talked I mean, about it. dennis just disappeared and went and partied in vegas and nobody's and, the wiser and no and then he just came back <laughs> i mean it's it, i kind of i it, it almost makes me happy that like there there's that level of sort of like freedom within these like these yes. guys' story and the, the dynamics and the like, like that just can't happen anymore and like as crazy as it is it's kind of what makes life fun is that like you have characters that oh, really just like there's Listen, just less. We all know we uh, all have a buddy or we all know people that like who has a friend that isn't totally like Dennis, but is like we all know and have friends that are like Dennis in the sense that they get that itch to go let loose and party and they just like they got to go do it. 
we got a couple friends that will end up on the floor. Like yeah, legitimately, I mean, they'll <laughs> sleep on the floor. Like me and you, like we're not sleeping on the floor. No, I'll never. I'm not. I don't want to sleep on the floor. As never. Cedric the Entertainer said, "Grown ass man, dog." <laughs> Grown man. Uh, <laughs> but there are guys that it's almost like a badge of honor. Yeah, like if they wake up on the floor. Yeah. They feel like they just had. That's bad. my. That's we that's how good, real, how good of got, a night. How my <laughs> night is judged on how horrible of a place I slept. We got some buddies that love that. Oh too. God, there's it, no question. You know what about though? That. It's fun to hear the story. It's great. I mean, even I love the line that the it humanized Michael too. Of like, Phil was kind of getting on Dennis at practice. Like, Phil, you you know, Dennis, you ready to you know start moving and getting back in shape. <laughs> Michael was like, Phil, his body's here. Let's not ask for much Let's more not than ask that. For much more. Oh, it's unbelievable. I'd pay a lot of money to to have video and know exactly what was in that hotel room or whatever place they were when they went and got Dennis after his five, six day bender. Dennis is that's good TV though. Anything Dennis oh, is. That TV. was fantastic. All right, we're about forty eight minutes. So let's shut it down. Uh God, it this is good, man. See you next week. Same I will time. same time, same place next week. We will recap it again for Bo Robert Rude, Nicholas Allen Baugh saying, what time is it? Game time. Who? All right. My thanks to Pella windows and doors. If you're thinking about a new window or a new front door, now is the perfect time. Give Pella a call at 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. We will see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. Production.